You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Hello, this is Abraham. And this is Shane. So welcome to Why We Do What We Do. Your favorite consumable psychology podcast. (laughs) Indeed. You know what? I'm actually happy to announce Shane really took the lead on this one. We're going to be talking about, uh, you know, I'll let you do all the introducing you'd like to do. Take it away, Shane. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited about this one because I think this will kind of, it's not going to be a super deep dive, but it'll just be kind of an overview to get you to understand a little bit about what punishment is all about. Cool. Abraham, were you ever punished as a kid? Capitally. Yeah, a bit. (laughs) My parents did not like grounding very much. They always wanted their punishments to be practical. So if it was something where I stayed out too late because I was like on a bike and I'd gone too far or something, then I would lose my bike privileges for a while. Stuff like that. So, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. The last time I got spanked, I was probably about two. I was running away from my dad. I mean, just so that everybody's aware, my parents are great and they never hit me. But my my dad smacked me on the butt, like patted my butt one time and I fell and I hit my head and he was terrified to spank me ever again. So my parents would like, I would lose privileges, kind of same thing. Like I would get grounded, but it wasn't anything like terrible. You know, I never really did anything wrong or I never really got caught. But I always love the discussion around punishment because I think that there's like this really interesting story about justice. People just want justice. Right. Yeah. I don't know if you ever see that. Like you see that with parents you work with or you see like when people, they can't just get away with that. And I always love that. My favorite thing is when people say there will be consequences, right? There's consequences for your actions. So I kind of following up on our discussion around reinforcement, I always follow it up with there will be consequences (laughs) and they will be delicious (laughs) because at the end of the day, consequences are simply what happens after the behavior. Right. So people think punishment and consequences are one and the same and they're really not. Okay, so punishment happens as a result of punishing consequences. And we'll get into all that later. Very technically speaking, they're not. But colloquially, people do use them that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's start with it now. What is punishment? And we're going to kind of define what punishment is, how people attempt to do punishment, some theories of punishment and all that fun stuff. Those are the kind of questions that we're going to ask here. But I'm going to start with what punishment is defined as by Webster's Dictionary and all that. So it's a noun, mostly, and it's actually the infliction or imposition of a penalty as retribution for an offense. So that's one definition. Okay. Another one would be, the example they say is, quote, crime demands just punishment. And they'll say it's a penalty inflicted. And there's actually a plural. There's punishments. So you have multiple punishments. So that's kind of what we're going to take as like the the standard definition. And we're going to go ahead and carve that up and make you forget about it. So the purpose of today's discussion or what we're going to be talking about is to unpack sort of this definition and then an overview of sort of how it works and then a bit how it's used. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds about right. Perfect. All right. So I think in order to understand punishment, we should probably define it, right? So this is going to be similar to reinforcement. Going back to our episode on reinforcement where we talked about any event that follows a behavior that increases Uh, behavior, right? That's going to be reinforcement. So the opposite of that is going to be any event that follows a behavior that ultimately decreases the likelihood that a behavior will occur in that context again. So essentially what happens is you engage in some kind of behavior, something follows right after, and then you stop engaging that behavior, right? Or at least the next time you have an opportunity to, you're less likely to. Right. I always use the example of like, what happens if you put your hand on a hot stove? You probably won't touch the hot stove again, right? Yeah. What happens if you try and take a busy street to work and then it's completely congested and then you never want to take that street again and you just walk? Yeah. What happens if you go to your boss and you ask for a raise and they just scream at you for an hour? (laughs) 
probably won't do that again, right? Probably also not walking to work, but yes, you're right. But I think it's important to recognize that, and, and I'm going to probably say this a couple times, is punishment isn't a bad thing. Okay, we're going to talk about why punishment is important for the human experience, but why people always get it wrong. So let's start with, I guess, positive punishment. So positive punishment sounds kind of funny. Sounds kind of strange, right? It sounds like a little bit of a, I don't know, like an oxymoron, I would say. Sounds kind of kinky. Yeah, it sounds kind of kinky too, right? There might be a whole culture around positive punishment. You know, we're not going to kink shame, but you do your thing. But essentially what it is, is something is added that decreases a behavior. Something is added in the environment. Something is introduced into the environment. Something is brought into a situation and a behavior typically slows down or stops. I want to come back to when we had either for those people who didn't hear it or just as a refresher thinking about this sort of positive negative as a mathematical idea a sort of additive negative which is that positive meaning that as you said something is added negative meaning something was taken away and that's all that those terms mean without trying to wrap the sort of colloquial emotional implication around this of them being good or bad it is just something either was delivered or became available or something was taken away yeah there you go. I appreciate that. So it's a mathematical equation. So typically when I talk about positive punishment, if I have to explain it to somebody, I'll explain it as like pain or discomfort, right? Something's uncomfortable. You don't like something. Yeah. Loud noises will probably make you leave a room. Like you'll probably like want to avoid that, but like you'll probably avoid that loud noise again. Bad smells. We like to avoid bad smells, bad tastes. I don't like being hurt. That sucks, right? Yeah. I don't like hurting myself. I don't do things to hurt myself. So those are things that might be for me positive punishers. Yeah. Do you have any examples that are positive punishers for you? Well, I was thinking about as you when you mentioned that the pain discomfort thing, and I can't even think of an example in which that doesn't apply. It really does seem to be the case. Like if I go somewhere and they're playing country music, then I'll leave because it's painful and uncomfortable. (laughs) A better example, actually, though, is if I were to stub my toe on something, I'm going to be more careful on how I walk next time is trying to avoid that pain discomfort. It's like, you know, if I'm dragging my feet and I stub my toe, well, I'm not going to drag my feet now. I'm going to walk differently because of that painful experience. So I'm trying to think of some other really good ones that are relevant. I think obviously at work, a lot of times employers will have punishment systems of things like reprimands, will have warnings, verbal warnings, written warnings, you'll have a sit down and talk into that sort of thing. And those relationships are very similar that you have one spouse believes that, or maybe not spouse, but a significant other partner, whatever it is, believes that they need to control all of your behavior. And so they will lecture you about things, that sort of thing. And none of that's fun. I don't like being lectured. Right. Unless I'm going to a conference, then lecture me all day. I want to learn this stuff. (laughs) Yes. But don't lecture me when I do something wrong. I don't like that. Right. So then on the other side of that coin, you've got negative punishment, which sounds, again, that sounds a little bit redundant to me. Yeah. Negative punishment sounds redundant, right? But going back to that example that you brought up of like it being a math equation, negative just means something's removed. You lose something or something is taken away as a result of a behavior and eventually that behavior decreases. So I like to think of this as like loss of privilege. Like you lose some kind of reinforcer, you lose some kind of privilege, you lose something you like, right? This is like when people get grounded. I think my favorite is when I was a kid and I would get in trouble, I'd get my car keys taken away. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't drive anywhere and I would have to ride my bike to work and I'd work in the summer and it'd be hot and it would be a terrible, terrible bike ride. So I would not do anything to get my car keys taken away ever again. (laughs) 
You know, one of the most common ones is when you have some fine is imposed upon you. So if you park somewhere you're not supposed to and you get a ticket, these are would be considered generally negative punishers because they result in you losing money. Now, granted, you are given something which makes it look like a positive punisher, but the ticket does nothing on its own unless it means that you result. Like if someone left you a note in your car that was like, have a great day, like that's not going to function as a, as a punisher in that case because it's not taking anything away. It's not doing anything aversive to you, but it's, it's the fact that there's those fines and the same thing for speeding tickets and that sort of thing. One I like to think of is when we do things and nobody else is controlling the outcome, but we nevertheless lose something. An example that occurred to me is when you're playing, let's say you get upset about something and I was thinking of video games, but really when you get upset about anything and then you break something of your own and then now that thing is no longer available to you. And so the likelihood of you smashing things next time you are angry will often decrease. Now for some people, it doesn't matter because they have plenty to replace it or they don't care or like whatever. But at least for myself, I had the experience of when I was angry playing video games, smash my video game controller, and then I couldn't play video games anymore. Much less likely to smash my video game controller in the future because I had to save up and get enough money so I could get a replacement for it. And that sucked. Yeah. So that was an example of losing access to a reinforcer, which was playing video games because of me being dumb and smashing my controller. And that's the thing is like we experience punishers all over the place, right? Like we come into contact with this stuff all the time and we don't really account for it or we don't talk about it because at the end of the day, what we're really talking about is something that ultimately decreases a behavior or it suppresses a behavior or it stops a behavior or it slows it down at the very least, whatever it might be. If it doesn't have that type of effect on behavior, then it's not really punishment. Yeah, I think a way to say this that's very easy to understand is that punishment and reinforcement, they're not processes, they're effects. So punishment is not a process, it's an effect. Doing something is not necessarily a punisher unless it decreases the behavior. Right. And that goes back to the same conversation about reinforcement too, right? Right. It's not reinforcement unless that behavior is increasing. Yeah. Just because you say good job to someone does not mean that's actually functioning as a reinforcer for that person. And just because you'd said something mean to somebody doesn't mean that's going to function as a punisher for that person. It might, but it also might not. The process itself does not tell you that. Right. So, and this goes to the idea of at the end of the day, what you find punishing and what I find punishing are going to be very, very different right? Depending on the person, we'll find things that we don't like that other people do like. I can't stand pickles. If you give me pickles, <laughs> it's going to be so punishing for me. I can't stand them. I don't know how you feel about pickles, but I can't stand them. I like pickles. I'll okay. take all your pickles. Yeah, you can have my pickles. So like if you were like, hey, here, we're going to have pickles for lunch. I would never come back to that lunch. You know, what's funny is playing music as long as I did and really enjoying like going to loud concerts and stuff. Loud ambient noise i really really dislike especially engines and motors i just i really dislike that sound and i will work hard to avoid it yeah loud noises for me like i carry around earplugs just in case i'll work with some clients that scream really loud and i will keep earplugs with me just in case because i can't it's so aversive to me smart yeah so some examples that people try to do for punishment, because you'll hear this a lot with parents like or you'll see this in schools or, you know, you kind of brought up tickets and fines. But some people that's not effective. Right. Spanking is not effective for some kids. And we're going to talk about some of the research around spanking, too. But suspension from schools, schools use suspension all the time. And it is not always effective. There are better ways to do something. Right. Well, and especially if you think about if someone was doing something to get out of school and then they get suspended from school, you're like, you want it out of school. You're getting so out of school. You're getting all the out of school. You never have to come back here again. I hope you enjoy your free time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really great Dave Chappelle skit 
where they do like a wife swap and he sends the kid he's like you know what you did you know what you did was wrong so go to your room and the kid goes up to his room and he's got like his computer and video games up there but he opens up like a porno magazine <laughs> and lotions up his hand so you're like that wasn't a punishing consequence like he was totally into it and that's the problem is people think that something is punishing and it's not I feel like there was a skit on The Office, too, where they did something like that, where he's like, we're going to do all these things. And he's like yelling about angrily about all the things he's going to do that were all privileges that people are going to gain. Uh-huh. And everyone's like, that sounds kind of nice. And they say, thank you. He's like, don't thank me. Don't thank me, guy. And he's just like, <laughs> he's like trying to make it sound like he's being tough on him by granting him all these privileges. And they're like, sweet. Thank you. There's one where he's like, he fires Jim and Pam. He's like, you couldn't quit. You're fired. And he's like, and they're like, well, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. And it ended up being like, there's benefits packages related to that. So there are some attempts at punishment. And when people attempt this, like we kind of talked about spanking and corporal punishment. We talked about suspensions and stuff like that, but I want to kind of like go over a little bit, the different types of punishment that people tried to implement or the different types of consequences, I will say, I guess. People try to implement that they try to like get rid of a behavior or stop a behavior that are pretty common, I think, especially for parents or for people that are dealing with kids. Sure. So the first one I always hear about and you kind of hear you hear this a lot, like I was spanked when I was a kid and we're going to talk about that, too. But spanking and corporal punishment. So first of all, little fun fact, there are still some schools in the U.S. that have paddles available for when students get in trouble in class. In Florida, there's a school in one of the counties that has a paddle hung up in the principal's office and they call it the Board of Education. Yeah. Yeah. I heard about that one. I think that actually came up in our, one of our, either our PBIS episodes or our corporal punishment episode that we did. Yeah. So people try to attempt spanking, corporal punishment, physical pain as a punisher for behaviors, right? When kids even get in fights with each other, if there's punching and kicking and that sort of thing, those could be intended to work as punishers in those situations people also try timeout have you ever been in timeout yes i don't remember very much about being in timeout but i definitely was in timeout at various periods of time for those of you who live in iraq and have never heard this term (laughs) this just refers to removing a learner from an environment presumably one that they want to be in for a period of time so they are pulled away from a situation where they could have access to some reinforcing some reward some preferred activity and they are instead forced to wait somewhere else and not partake in those activities yeah you might see like kids that have to sit in a timeout chair or a thinking spot or they'll stand in a corner or something like that that's a lot of i think that i used to have to go to my room that was my timeout i had to actually stand in corners at least a couple of times but i think an important point here and maybe this is something you're planning to get to but is that this is another example where people use the timeout as a punisher and it actually is like getting out of something they didn't want to do anyway mm-hmm. and they're like kids acting up in class and they're like you go wait and timeout while everyone else takes this test and the kid's like sweet yeah my favorite is i've heard a lot of parents and just so that when we kind of dig into this is parents will get upset with their kids while they're supposed to be doing chores and then they'll send their kid to timeout, and the kid doesn't have to wash dishes or do their laundry or do their homework it's like you just gave that kid exactly what they wanted smart that's actually a negative reinforcer if we're going to get into the technical parts right yeah and kind of building on timeout you've got grounding right grounding which is like taking away certain privileges so you're losing video games you're losing tv i lost my car keys and sometimes parents will do this kind of haphazardly i'll see yes but they'll be like you're grounded for a week it's like that has no relation to what even happened yeah it tends to be a very arbitrary measure with very arbitrary decisions wrapped around it as i said my parents didn't really use grounding with me but when i my stepsister came in the scene 
they tried to at one point ground her from the internet for life and i was like (laughs) this is not going to work for a number of reasons so i get that you're angry but you need to be logical with your scaling of your practices here yeah like if you're going to implement something you have to be able to manage it right I'm going to ground you from food until you're dead. <laughs> There's somebody out there that's probably said that. Probably. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, regardless of whether it would work, just don't do it. <laughs> yeah. There's better ways. There's better ways. So fines and costs, people paying money to a governing body or a person following a specific behavior, like we talked about speeding tickets, lawyer fees. You know, if you break something, you buy it. Those types of consequences. Yep. There's also isolation. I don't know if you've ever been sent out of a classroom. Yes. Yep. This happened. Had a like recess time withheld, that sort of thing. But yeah, also being sent out of the class, that sort of stuff, being otherwise removed. So it's sort of a timeout thing. Yeah. And then also incarceration. So jail time. You can get arrested and people go to jail. And that's usually often used as a punishment. So, which doesn't always work. Right. Or else we wouldn't have something called recidivism rates. <laughs> yeah basically. But that's a discussion for another day. So those are attempts at punishment. We kind of know what punishment is. I think it's important to kind of discuss really quickly the theories of punishment and why people try to implement punishing consequences. Because at the end of the day, you know, people have a reason. They have their motivations. And these are some of the ways that people understand punishment in the systems without actually understanding what punishment is. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So I think generally you could sort of just divide up these ideas about punishment, having a couple of different philosophies. They could either be described as being retributive or utilitarian, where utilitarian refers to trying to deter future wrongdoing. So essentially there's like a practical outcome here. You're right. You're trying to stop this from happening again. And the retributive theory instead is that like you deserve it. Like you're getting your just desserts here in terms of you earned this bad thing to have happened to you. Yeah. And so most people will subscribe to one of those things, especially when you're talking about like an emotional response to it. Yeah. They'll say you need to pay for what you did or I'm going to make an example out of you. Those are two of the ways that people kind of approach general punishment systems. Right. But again, they don't really have anything to do with how punishment actually works. So one of the things that you look at is something called like a deterrent type of punishment. And deterrents are usually punishments that are sufficient to deter wrongdoers. So that's a lot of why capital punishment was instituted is to be like, I'm going to make the punishment so bad that nobody's ever going to want to do this. Right. And that's often seen when you have extreme forms of punishment for very mild crimes, like cutting someone's hand off for stealing something and things like that. Of course, the problem from that is, first of all, if you're someone who's going to commit some sort of offense, you may as well go all out because they can't ratchet up the punishment any further than they already have. So it's like, if you're going to steal a loaf of bread, you may as well burn that whole family alive that you stole from because the outcome is going to be exactly the same for you. You know, leave no witnesses, basically. Yeah. So it ultimately didn't make much sense to do that anymore but yes you're right there's that idea of the deterrent by having extreme outcomes and even when it's not extreme it's the idea that if we know that some people get punished as a sort of example for others then people are maybe then less likely to do it which I think leads to, albeit in a roundabout way, the idea of punishment as a rehabilitation, which is trying to focus on overcoming barriers that led to the crime in the first place. Yeah. And I think rehabilitation actually, to me, makes the most sense. That's the one that I would subscribe to the most. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah, I see it. Especially as a behaviorist, like, hey, why did they get there? Let's teach them the skills so they don't. Yeah. 
Then you've also got incapacitation and societal protection. So the punishment that's instated is usually some kind of restriction that results in the protection of the society at large, right? You lock away criminals because they shouldn't be in the general population. They shouldn't be around people. So put them away so they can't hurt anybody else. I feel like for me, this one does kind of go in hand in hand with the idea of the rehabilitation, which is that while you don't have the appropriate skills to navigate the problems that you're going to face, we need to put you in a safe place where you can be so that you can't hurt other people. And we need to be focusing on the rehabilitation part of this, which is how are you going to be able to manage these stressful situations, these problematic habits that you have when we get you out of this place? It's essentially like setting up a level of support to get them where they need to be. Right. But a little bit more intense. In this category of this retributive theory is the idea, of course, of retribution. That is the punishment must fit the crime. This is the, you know, people must sort of restore and make amends for the damage that they've done is sort of the idea there. Or at least they need to get what they deserve out of their crime. Of course, what they deserve is subjective, but there it is. Yeah. And then the other side of that coin would be restoration, which is the idea of making the victim whole. So the punishment fits the crime with retribution, but with restoration, they are going back and they're repaying their debt to society and they're fixing what they broke, essentially. So uh, you see a lot of these that kind of like get paired up or they seem like it's maybe one side of a coin versus the other or they're kind of tipping the scales. But that's a lot of what you see in some of this, like so deterrent versus rehabilitation, incapacitation, all that stuff. It kind of all fits together, but some people will lean harder into different perspectives than others. Right. And then there is this education and denunciation, which is very similar to the deterrent one. The idea is to send a message by using punishment. Yeah. And what you'll see with all this is there's the unified theory of punishment, which is it combines some of the elements of the of the stuff above, right? Like, so you'll see incapacitation and rehabilitation built in together where it's like, we're going to go ahead and have you at this site, this facility, but we're going to have rehabilitation programs in here to help reduce recidivism rates or help give you the skills that you need to be able to be a contributing member of society or something along those lines. I think it'd be really cool to just unpack all of that inside of a single episode. I've been wanting to tackle recidivism generally as well, because I think it's some cool, interesting behavioral stuff to talk about there. So let's dive real quick into some common myths and misconceptions. Yeah, let's do that. So I think it's important when we talk about punishing behavior or when people try to punish behavior that they're doing something entirely different. They attempt at punishment, but they don't really capture why the person is actually doing something and they end up accidentally reinforcing a behavior instead. They actually like perpetuate this behavior longer than they need to. So my favorite one, though, when we talk about myths about punishment is, and this is a quote that I hear a lot, especially nowadays, is when I was a kid, I was spanked and look how I turned out. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, you're a real golden child of society. Yeah, you seem real cool, dude. More importantly, it's like, I'm not saying that people that got beat up or spanked when they were kids are bad, but there's better ways to do what people are trying to accomplish. And there's a lot of research out there that says reinforcement strategies tend to work way more effectively than punishment strategies in some cases, or depending on what you're looking at. Or at least you should try and combine them. Or at least you should try and combine them, because at the end of the day, when people will be like, I got hit when I was a kid, it's like, well, eh, today that's abuse. (laughs) like that's a different problem yeah another myth is that the bigger the badder the more intense the punishment the more effective it will be this is actually false although you might want to argue the problem here is that people quickly adapt to their quote-unquote punishment so that with this repeated exposure to these severe punishments that can actually create more of these long-term behavioral challenges yeah because at the end of the day what you see is like if somebody gets used to being hit all the time, then they're going to develop a tolerance to it. And those behaviors that you're trying to suppress are going to continue to maintain. 
Boy, another one on here is lecturing, and I feel like this is one I'd also like to unpack a little bit more deeply, although not this isn't really the time or place to do that. I think this requires a deeper investigation in terms of a discussion, but the idea here that lecturing is an effective way to change behavior. Now, obviously, if you feel like you get to choose between physically harming someone and lecturing them, then like, yeah, lecture them. But just know that it's not going to be particularly effective. For some people, for one thing, the attention that they get from this is really powerful. And you actually might be creating a problem by just using the time you're lecturing to just provide a lot of that individualized, one-on-one, very focused attention on them. And for another thing, thinking about understanding why someone did the behavior that they did, it's unlikely that they didn't know that what they did was wrong and unlikely that they didn't know that how they did it was wrong. So you're not addressing their motives in any way if you lecture them. Right. And, you know, there's just nothing better than like being a kid in a classroom and acting out and then getting one-on-one attention from the principal. Even if it's not the attention they prefer, it's still one-on-one attention. Yeah. You get some status that way. It's good stuff. So, and I think another thing too, is that once a behavior is punished, it goes away. And I think that's kind of the ultimate goal of people, right? If I'm going to yell at a kid, if I'm going to put them in timeout, if I'm going to punish a behavior, it goes away. No, that does not happen. Right. The behavior actually never leaves the person's repertoire unless they have some significant traumatic brain injury or something more severe, some kind of organic issue going on. Yeah. But once somebody has something in their repertoire, it doesn't really go away. Rather, what happens is it goes away in that context. It might bubble up somewhere else or the example I always use is lying, right? So if you catch somebody in a lie and you punish them for that lie, what ends up happening is they just get better at lying. Now they know that like, hey, I don't lie like this. I'm going to lie like this instead and avoid that punisher and also contact all the things I want to contact. Right. And sort of as you've pointed out and as we've mentioned that it's simply trying to impose something aversive on top of it. You have to understand that all the behavior happens for a reason to begin with. And if you're not addressing that reason, then presumably that reason doesn't go away. You've just tried to make it so that there's also this aversive thing there, which usually means they just try and avoid the aversive thing. So their motivation's still there. The reason's still there. The skill is still there. And if you don't address those things, you're unlikely to have that behavior really change in a way that it's going to be more productive. Right. Absolutely. Just going to get sneaky. That's it. That's exactly what happens. Like, I got sneakier when I was a kid. That's when I was sneaking out of the house and shoplifting all the time. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Yeah, that's... I was a teenager. It's all been expunged. It's fine. And then also, one of my favorite ones that I hear, this myth that kind of, like, perpetuates along parenting circles, is timeout should be based on age, i.e. the number of minutes in timeouts is the same as the age. Well, I'm going to say Super Nanny was very, very, very wrong. What? So very wrong. Blasphemy. I know. How dare I? We should just do a whole episode of debunking Super Nanny episodes. That'd be fun, actually. Actually, that would be a lot of fun. That's our side (laughs) podcast. Super not. So there's literally no evidence to support this. They've done studies to actually debunk this. And rather, what research shows is that there's more specific criteria on how to do this and do it well and be more effective. So you can put a kid that's 15 years old in a two-minute timeout. And it's got the same effect as a kid that's two years old in a two-minute timeout. It really depends on how the timeout is structured. It depends on the reason or the motivation for their behavior. It depends on a lot of different factors. Just to say, arbitrarily, you go in timeout for three minutes because you're three doesn't really hold any water. Yeah, it kind of doesn't really make sense of why it would. But okay, so... Here we have been talking about all these things that are myths about punishment. We're talking about what punishment is and all that sort of thing. But we've also said that punishment isn't bad. So, okay, what is the problem here with punishment? Yeah. So when we talk about punishment, some of the problems that come up that people aren't ready for is that punishment doesn't actually teach 
the person what to do instead. It teaches me what not to do. If you're punishing me, it teaches me that I'm not going to do that thing that I'm getting punished for, but I'm left with a gap in my skills. I cannot do the other thing that you want me to do. So you have to be able to go in and teach me, and this is where reinforcement comes in, teach me what you want me to do instead. And punishment doesn't do that. You gave a good example in our negative and positive reinforcement episode of it's like a balloon where you squeeze it, the air is just going to go somewhere else. If you think about the air in this case being the behavior. So if you try and suppress it, what you get instead in that context is a random, it's very difficult to predict what that might actually be. You aren't giving any direction in terms of what that behavior, those new actions are going to be in that situation. It's just going to be not the one thing, but there's still probably a hundred other things you don't want it to be. So it's better to provide some amount of direction. Yeah, absolutely. Another one is that there is a serious problem here with what's called punishment-induced aggression, which is to say that some forms of punishment, especially those ones that rely on aggression, on causing physical harm, on hurting somebody in some way, what that teaches then is this is how you solve that problem. And that models the this is what you do in these situations so that the kid learns, one, I want to get back at you for doing what you did to me, or maybe not kid, whoever the person is, I want to get back at you for what you did to me. And also, now I know how because you've already shown me that like you do these things, which means I need to come at you or someone else with those same sort of strategies. So if I do something you don't like, then you hit me. So that means that when my friend doesn't do something I don't like, I'm going to hit them. Right. That's one of the reasons that people will be aggressive in these situations. And another thing, too, that you might see that happens is that there's going to be an increase in emotional responses. So you might see a high burst of crying and yelling and all these other things that come out of it that were not really present or not really happening as often. So, for example, I think of when my brother used to get punished when he was a kid, he would start crying a whole lot. Sure. I mean, we were talking about really, really little, and that was something that would never really happen with him. And so he wouldn't just cry and cry and cry. Like also that came out of being punished whenever he would get in trouble and he wouldn't get physically punished or anything like that, but he would lose privileges. And all of a sudden now we've got a two hour tantrum as a result of this punishment. Right. And now not to say that this is what was happening to your brother or with your parents at all, but it's very easy for instances of punishment to escalate to essentially abuse. Like it goes from being something that's intended to be a basic punishment to have some amount of retribution or whatever it is to being just way over the top and flat out abuse. And that's, of course, problematic. Yeah. And you'll see this kind of on a case by case basis, but this does happen. It's really easy for the person that's introducing the punisher to continue to punish to a point where it's a problem. Right. And that goes into the idea that for the person using the punishment, it's quick and easy, right? So if I yell, if I introduce a punisher, if I do something at that moment, the behavior will stop at that moment, typically, right? Right. And it gives us a false idea that, hey, it worked. My favorite thing is when parents will say like, I'm going to turn this car around. Right. I'm going to turn this car around. We're not going to Disney. And it's like, well, okay, you better be prepared to turn the car around because if that behavior doesn't stop, then you need to have that punisher in place, right? But- Just maybe don't say that. Maybe set some other examples. What ends up happening is that behavior stops in that moment, but it comes back later. And so you have this instant relief, you have this momentary relief, but it becomes a long-term headache because the behavior never really goes away. Well, and I think that's actually one of the most, I think, key pieces of information in this whole episode. One of the key facts is that we love using punishment as humans because it is super intense, like shot in the face of negative reinforcement it is boom you immediately get relief from this thing that is driving you crazy or it is that is bothering you so badly and so it's a very powerful reinforcer for us to use punishment and because it's such a powerful reinforcer for us to use punishment it's easy for that cycle to get perpetuated and it doesn't 
necessarily result in the change that you want to see, but it provides that immediate relief in the moment. Yeah. And then finally, most often people are using far more effort to correct a problem rather than being preventative. So what ends up happening is people are spending way, way too much time managing problems, managing concerns, managing behavior that they don't want to see rather than kind of setting up some systems and setting up some contingencies up ahead to actually prompt the behavior you want to see. If you give somebody ample instruction, some type of direction, if you give them some kind of contingency to follow along a path, you're less likely to use a whole lot of effort on the back end to correct a behavior that you don't want to see. Well, I think there's some research to back that up. So for example, there was a study in 2012 by Durant and Ensom, and they conducted a study to evaluate 20 years of research on the use of punishment, specifically on children. And what they found was that physical punishment actually increases the risk of broad negative developmental outcomes. And no study has ever shown that there was actually an improvement in developmental health by using those physical punishments. So most child abuse actually even occurs in the context of this idea of physical punishment. And this further supports the idea of using nonviolent approaches when needing to evoke these disciplinary measures. So like those people who argue that like, yeah, I turned out fine. Like you actually probably could have turned out a lot better, really. And we could be doing better with the next generation. We're at a place now where we understand that we could be doing better. So I think that's important. Yeah. Another study, Gershoff in 2008, actually put together a, a really cool study that came out with a couple different really important points. So first off, there's little evidence that physical punishment improves child behavior long term. So we kind of talked about that shot in the face of negative reinforcement, right? You get that relief right then and there, but long term, the children's behavior doesn't actually improve. The second point they make is that physical punishment makes it more likely that children will be defiant and aggressive. So not only are they going to just avoid you, and they're not going to listen to you, but they're also going to be more aggressive because you're modeling aggression. And creating all sorts of problems here. Yeah, it snowballs, right? The third point they make is that physical punishment increases a risk for negative outcomes and mental health problems. So not only do you have a child that's becoming defiant and becoming more aggressive, but now you're running the risk of having different mental health concerns and different problematic outcomes as a result of the use of these types of interventions. And then finally, the fourth point they make is that children who are physically punished are at greater risk of injury and physical abuse. And that's, we kind of touched on that before, where it becomes a slippery slope. When you start introducing physical punishers or anything like that, it can get to a point where somebody becomes injured as a result. And then finally, one of the most recent couple studies in here by Afifi and colleagues in 2017 and Grogan Kaler and Graham Berman, man, those are difficult names, in 2018. Right. <laughs> in their studies, they actually demonstrated that spanking specifically was deemed a highly ineffective discipline strategy. Highly ineffective. That means it does not work. And that using spanking actually resulted in emotional and psychological harm. So not only do you have an intervention that's not doing what you want it to do, but it's actually just causing harm and not improving their development. So again, just speaking to the fact that although it seems to provide that immediate relief in the moment, the long-term gains just aren't there. I mean, this is, this would be like going out and investing all your money in Blockbuster stock right now. And like Blockbuster has been dead for years, but it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's just not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. No offense, Blockbuster or John Oliver. We love you, Blockbuster. It's okay. We miss you is really the point. Yeah. So 
I think it's important to recognize and kind of going into like because I, I think we're at a good place to wrap this up, right? That's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, this was intended, I think, just to be a sort of overview of punishment. We'll get into some of the deep dives of those nuanced things that we mentioned before. But yeah, I think this is a good place to wrap up. So the first point that I would make is not everything you think is a punisher. We've brought up spanking a couple times. And for some people, spanking is a punisher. And it's in that pain and discomfort is going to work to suppress or decrease a behavior or get rid of some behavior you don't want to see. But some people like being spanked. <laughs> That's true. And it's not a positive punisher for them. It's a positive reinforcer. So it's important to understand what that person is motivated for if you're going to design an intervention to try to manage or change a behavior. Yeah, I think then for me, one of the most important take homes here is just to emphasize that point that you sort of just made, which is that punishment and reinforcement, but punishment specifically here, since that's what we're talking about, is not a process. It's an effect. So just a catchy phrase to remember, punishment is not a process. It's an effect. Yeah. There aren't things that are punishers. There are effects that are punishers. And another thing too is like things that are punishers and punishment in general isn't a bad thing. If it wasn't for punishment and coming into contact with things that decrease certain behaviors, the species wouldn't survive. Right. It's actually a really great thing to avoid things that are dangerous, right? The punishers that we experience now are like, oh, if I had bad coffee, I'm not going to go to Starbucks. But when we were coming up in the world and we were still hunters and gatherers, we had to avoid saber-toothed tigers. Like that was a pretty serious punisher, right? So when we talk about punishment, punishment itself isn't bad. It's actually helped shape up a lot of our important survival skills. But today, implementing punishment and implementing those things that are aversive and things that we don't like, it tends to get overused. It tends to get over-exaggerated. And with that high magnitude of programmed, when we actually implement punishment procedures, it becomes a more serious problem than we realize sometimes. Well, yeah, right. And I'd say that even today, there is a utility in having punishment as a specific strategy. It is just, it needs to be used intentionally, strategically, and understand what it is that you're doing when you use those processes, because they they do have an important role to serve. And I think especially when we talk about things where like you can't have a single mistake and uh, because the the stakes are too high. And so in those cases, it is probably important to punish anything that would lead to that mistake because you can't have like running out in the middle of a freeway, for example, like any one instance of anything approximating that needs to be punished because there are no appropriate circumstances under which that occurs, but it just, it needs to be strategic. Right. Arson is not an appropriate behavior under any circumstances, right? I mean, maybe if you have a controlled burn. Yeah, there might be some, but relatively few. Few enough that it's not like a thing that you just like do, especially when you're upset about something. Right, right. I think a big take home for me that I'd like to highlight that I mentioned before is just the fact that punishers, when we use them, are big negative reinforcers for us because they eliminate those things. They give us relief. So it's very easy to enjoy punishment, enjoy seeing others to come to punishment because we get something out of it. You know, there is something there. And so we need to be mindful of the fact that we kind of have this capacity for being a little sadistic, which is not because we're bad, but is because there is negative reinforcement in there mm -hmm. just because it provides us relief, which is an important evolutionary function as well. Yeah. My final take on point with, from all this is like, there's just simpler ways to do it. It's harder. It's think about all the contingencies and all the things you have to do to manage like a kid being grounded. Like it is way easier to teach them what to do instead, reinforce that behavior, focus on that behavior that you want to see instead. Because when you punish somebody, like it's a lot of effort and they're just simpler and more effective ways to do what you needed to do. Cool. All right. Well, I have nothing else. You got anything else, Shane? No, I think I got everything off my chest. Perfect. 
Yeah. He's got nothing left on his chest, just a blank slate there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, everyone. I, a quick reminder that we have Patreon levels that you can get access to uncut episodes, to videos of us recording, to suggesting topics. All kinds of stuff are available at various levels of that, as well as our Discord server, which we have some new people on there. So I'm going to be getting on the Discord server, make sure that I'm attending well to conversations that are happening. So if you'd like to join us there, the lowest level gives you access to that. In addition, we're available on Deezer, Soundbox, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, SoundCloud. I don't even know all the places. We're all the places. You can ask your smart speaker to play why we do what we do and all of that sort of stuff. And then, of course, if you would like to reach out to us, we really love hearing from everybody. If you'd like to tell us your favorite punishment story or your favorite punisher, or you'd like to relate a story in which you learned something valuable about why punishment is good or bad, we'd like to share any one of those. So please reach out to us. We're more than happy to hear you. Yeah, sounds good. Or talk about your favorite Punisher comic. I'm fine with that, too. (laughs) There you go. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. This is Abraham, and we are out. And this is Shane. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcast, or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.